beer and Bowens and beer. Brewskies and Bowens. Bowaday and beer a Bro-a-day. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I don't man. think we've had a, an, an official carpets and coffee for quite a bit, huh? Not yeah. with our fearless leader. It's been either me and Owen bumble, you know, wetting our way through it, or me, Riley, and Owen bumble, you know, wetting our bumble way through it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Hey, cool. So it's good to have you back, man. Yeah. It's good to be back. I'm, I've been worried. I'm sure the people have been worried. What's up, Chris? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Want to give us a little, a little update? <laughs> yeah. Well, I've just been sick. Family sick. Everyone's sick. <laughs> no, I was saying to you guys before we started, I have like that. Uh, what did you call it? Long-term COVID, where you just yeah. are just exhausted afterwards, and man. COVID part two. Yeah, being old sucks, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, to be I young. mean that that extra sucks because yeah. like. You know, you got the bags like you've, you've it shouldn't happen. Follow all the rules, man. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. But at least I'm not dead. It could be worse, right? That's true. <laughs> maybe yeah. maybe it's a sign that that if you were going at it with no artificial antibodies, maybe it would have been a lot worse. <laughs> yeah. What are you trying to say? My underlying conditions would have taken I me out. I don't know. <laughs> I, I sure hope not. I'd be yeah. so sad. <laughs> Uh, so what you guys been up to i've been at wine tasting wine tasting today yes nice (laughs) we uh we had an appointment looking at uh a wedding venue so that went by fast we're like well let's get lunch let's go get some wine hey let's sit in old historic falls and do some wine tasting so we did nice Nice. it's so funny we ended up trying a bunch of these really good wines and leaving with they sell them in a pouch. It's really funny. It's just really good quality wine, but they put them in a one and a half liter pouch. There's like two bottles in this pouch. And uh, because it's sealed in the way you pour it, no oxygen gets to it. So this pouch can last like a month, which let's be real, two bottles of wine isn't going to last a month. But um, it, it's called uh, Chateau Mofo. <laughs> <laughs> but they spell nice. it like M E A U F E A U X. Nice. So, yeah, they they had a little fun with it, but uh That's awesome. Yeah, so that was good. That that was my only obligation for the weekend. I got all my snakes up done yesterday cuz I knew I had this this going on today, so Right on. It's so very fun. good. Very very yeah, good. But I, now uh, I need coffee. <laughs> it's the right show. Yeah. Do you have some brewing? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just have desires and no solutions at the moment. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna coin that. Uh, yeah, I was no you just described my life. <laughs> um nice. Well, I mean, I, I to be completely honest, I've had a lot going on <laughs> in the last couple days, reptile-wise. Um yeah, I got a bunch of new stuff. Yeah, got you got some stuff. cool stuff. Got cool stuff. I made a video about it and edited that this morning. So Oh, I still gotta go watch that. I saw that. I saw your little um do you put it on Instagram story, right? I, I did. Yeah. yeah. Saw that. So new vlog on my YouTube, unboxing all the new stuff. So you can put the full video up on the Instagram videos? 
No, just a thumbnail. Oh, he just put like yeah, a I just did a little up. teaser. I mean, you can, but to an extent, Instagram cuts stuff off at like an hour, I think, for Instagram TV stuff. But uh, oh, it's IGTV. annoying. Yeah, yeah, it, it's yeah. But uh, shoot, yeah. I mean, today I, I I edited that video. I did a ton of school because Zach's class is really hard right now, <laughs> and so how so? Oh man, we just we got to the the meat of the course, I guess you would say. So we're yeah. on squamates now. Mm. Okay. And if Zach is going to pile on a lot for any group of species, it's going to be squamates, you know. Yeah. Which is fair and it's also what I want to learn about the most. So I'm not complaining by any means, but yeah, it's a lot. There <laughs> I, I I did 3 hours of lecture yesterday. An hour of lecture today, and I just started on my list of seven essay questions I have to do in the next two weeks. <laughs> oh, jeez! Wow. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But that's what I signed up for. I'm not complaining. I'm gonna get yeah. it done. I'm learning. It's good. I messaged him though because he had a mistake in his lecture where he said that brettles are from the Kimberly, and I was like, "Sir, <laughs> <laughs> incorrect. This is my only opportunity to call How you out on dare something." You. <laughs> and he was like, "Yeah." <laughs> Alice Springs isn't in the Kimberly. You got me, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, life's good. I'm fact-based herpticulture, my ass. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know it's it's. I'm I'm sure it would be a huge pain in the butt for him to re-record the entire PowerPoint, though. So sure, yeah. I get it. <laughs> it's been fun. It, it's. It's uh, I mean, I'm mostly excited about the animals and I can't stop looking at the new stuff, but yeah. well, did you? Well, OK, I'm going to tell <laughs> before we get into the to the animals, because yes. we'll just go on for that forever. We should talk but, about uh, coffee, coffee. I'm drinking <laughs> this misfit coffee and it's from a company in um, bringing bring bringing. Oh, my God. Bringing ham, Alabama. It's called nice. uh, Relevator Coffee Company, and uh, yeah, mm. it's it's pretty freaking good. It's uh, Misfit Coffee, and it's like okay. real smooth. It's got a sweet kind of taste to it. Quite what's our uh, what's our roast? We've got dark, medium, dark. blend. I prefer dark. Yeah, me yeah. too. I like the darker blends, even though I like stuff with more caffeine. But yeah, I like a which is a weird, darker, right? bolder flavor. Yeah, you'd Go. think because it like tastes so much yeah. heavier. But uh, that's where the French press comes in handy. You just leave it in there longer. <laughs> make yeah. some jet fuel. So, so wait, jet how fuel. I, I have to ask this question because I do a specific thing with my French roast. And I know, Riley, you are like a connoisseur of the French roast. How, what's, your, what's your process? So I have, I have like an electric grinder. And I, if I'm doing a full press, I know exactly where I need to fill it before okay. I start like messing with, you know, having too much beans in the press. Um, I've just done it enough. And so, uh, I'll grind it down to a, not like the super fine consistency, right. but I want it like pepper granules, you know, like broken up pepper granule size. Okay. Um, and then I have an electric kettle to get it hot, uh, to get water hot. So I'll get water boiling. And then once that's off, I'll let it sit for a second and then pour it in. And usually I'll let it brew for five to six minutes but if i really want like some some serious kick in it I'll go like seven to nine minutes and let that sit just 
you know, right there and then pour it out. And it's, it's hefty. So when I, I do a similar thing, I do basically the recipe I use is it's 30 grams of coffee, 500 grams of Whoa. water. Mm-hmm. Grams. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. So I'll do that. Same kind of, same kind of grind. I'll grind it up. Um, I get the, uh, what I'll do is I, um, pour, uh, pour the water in with the coffee and I'll let it go for four minutes. Mm-hmm. And then what I do is I, I stir it up and I sift out that, um, I don't know what it's called, but like the kind of foamy top. Right. So I'll sift that off. Okay. And then I give it another 10 minutes to Ooh. brew. And then. Then you oh. got your magic. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, I, I didn't, I haven't gotten to the point where like I'm weighing or measuring out the beans and water, but I have like my eyeball levels based on the carafe, based on the grinder, based on how much I'm trying to make. And I know what, like if I'm doing a full amount of beans for a full press, there's a certain like line on my carafe where the metal frame is where if I pour over that, I'm uh-huh. getting too diluted, too watery of a taste. If I'm only doing a short brew if I fill it up that to like this right point, it'll always be good. But then if I go longer brew it, you know, it'll always taste like, you know, something special. But you <laughs> no, got to be careful not to burn it like too yes. hot yeah. water or like, yeah, you know, you got to keep your beans fresh, too. So I have like this nice air vacuum sealed like container mm-hmm. that I put everything in. So I got one of them, too. Yeah. 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 The, I really wasn't a weigher of coffee for most of my life up until probably the last year. And Mm -hmm. as I got geekier and geekier about it, as you can with things, right. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I, I I hear everybody talk about that weighing it and like the, the, the mix between the two is, is what, you know, where you get your taste from. And like, uh, I experimented with going a little more than that, a little more water, a little less water. You know, I experimented with the different grinds and it really does make a difference in that taste. And, um, mm-hmm. the other thing I don't do with the French press is I don't plunge it. And it oh. seems to keep that, like that, that, uh, like I just leave the, the plunger right at the yeah. top of the coffee and you just pour, pour it, it through the mesh. It seems to not get that, uh, <laughs> What would you call it? The gritty, sh- the well, basically like the coffee grind that you get into the into the cup seems to stay out for the most part. So you won't you won't press it all the way down. You'll put it in just enough to hold everything in place and pour through the grounds at the top and the screen and everything. Yep. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I wonder if that I, I'm going to. I wonder if that um, adds like more flavor on the back end as it's like pouring through. It just gives it that last like filter of flavor. You know, I'm not 100% sure, but that's sort of what they, where I saw this guy that was talking about, you know, different ways to do French press. He said to mm. try that and uh, maybe you'll get a, a, a better flavor or a stronger flavor. And, and yeah, the, the, that is perfect for like uh, a cup like this. And then it has like this much more. So um, it's like, yeah, it's perfect for me in the morning. I hit that up. Good nice. Man. Yeah. Good stuff. Nice. That's Very my nice. coffee tip. <laughs> okay. Well, I like we said last week, I can't do coffee at the time that we do our podcast. But this morning, <laughs> I yeah. had the same beans that Pete's dark roast. 
that I showed off last week. Major Dickinson's and blend. That's right. Yep. Stuff yep. is good. It's just it's solid. I uh, I don't measure out by weight. Um, I measure out tablespoons of grounds to keep my ratio uh, consistent. Mm-hmm. And whereas in the past I've done a lot of like pour over stuff, which is undoubtedly better. I've just been a lazy sob <laughs> for the past year, and I'm just using a coffee machine because it's more about the caffeine for me at the moment. Right. <laughs> I, you know, I used to, I still enjoy the taste of good coffee, but like, I don't have time for that these days. I can't, I don't have time to enjoy <laughs> anything. I just need to get jacked and get to work. <laughs> like, no time for, no. for playing. <laughs> but at the moment, if we discuss beverages at current time, I'm enjoying a port barrel aged Saison from my favorite brewery in Santa Cruz, Humble Sea, where I went to college. This bottle was gifted to me by my friend when I had mono for when I could drink again. (laughs) (laughs) And so I'm enjoying it in my Humble Sea cup. And that's the story because I'm allowed now. (laughs) Nice. So. (laughs) <laughs> I have to share this with you guys real quick. I think you'll get, you'll appreciate this, but I was sent this today. <laughs> wow. The great oligarcho <laughs> and ruler of the interns. <laughs> oh, man. Nice. That is special. Oh, he's, he's standing on skulls, too. That must be all the other oh, interns. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Nice. Is that Eric in the background looking on in disappointment? Like, God damn it, Owen. <laughs> he's yeah. standing up on top of the castle like, Owen, get back here, you fool. What are you Who doing? Sent that to you? Who made this? Uh, hold on. I'll tell you. <laughs> That's funny. I was a little disappointed. Uh, Nick Mutton posted asking for somebody to send him pictures of a species of bandicoot for the book. Uh-huh. And so I, I edited Owen's face on a bandicoot and sent that <laughs> picture. And nobody liked it. I thought it was funny, but I guess I was the only one. Uh, it was uh, uh, Victor <laughs> Loreno. That's <laughs> funny. Yeah. That's very good. good. Yeah. Ego would not approve. He's so important <laughs> that he didn't re- respond to us. And he's. <laughs> Who's that? Owen. <laughs> oh, Owen. <laughs> oh, the great Owen. oligarch. <laughs> but uh, so, all right. So let's uh, tell us about your uh, your greatest snake day, reptile day of your life. <laughs> yes, um, it totally was. So for those who haven't seen yet, I got, uh, first of all, a male rough scale python to complete my pair because I've had nice. my female from Nick for about a year now. And, um, you know, it's been on my list to get a boy for her. Um, so that was kind of the one that I, I have been planning on doing for a couple months. I've been talking to Brett for that for a long time and, uh, finally made that happen. Um, I also got with a friend, uh, kind of like a joint project thing. I got the trio of Kimberly rocks, um, also from Brett. So he hatched out those three and, I jumped on that. Um, my my buddy and I, my friend does a lot with like tree monitors and ackies and stuff like that. And so we decided to uh, get the trio together, go halfsies on it. And then though we're going to raise them up as a group, you mm-hmm. know, uh, and then when they're old enough to where males and females kind of need to be separated, some will live here, some will live there. Um, cool. 
So super stoked on that. They're freaking awesome and they're so tiny. Yeah, <laughs> like, they cool? yeah. They're so cool, but they're small. I was yeah. shocked how small they were. Yeah. Um, like you were saying, when yours arrived, they're just like, wow, <laughs> I could lose this. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Oh, <laughs> did you really? Yeah, I did. Did you find it? I did. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, the big one was um, a pair of adult Western blackheads, which nice. for me, like, it, it's just, it quite simply is my holy grail i can't really say it any other way they're they are perfect in my eyes and i uh i got the opportunity um the person who was selling them reached out to me and asked if i was interested and i knew i was interested but i also knew that it was going to cost a kidney um but i did what i had to do right to make it work because i wouldn't have been able to live with myself if i didn't so (laughs) (laughs) and it all came together Nice. They're beautiful. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Are they a breeding pair? Have they bred before? Or I don't so remember. the male has sired many a clutch um, for Dan. These came from Dan Vermilia. Right. Um, he's, in fact, the father of my yearling Western male. Okay. Um, but the female is just four years old this year. This was going to be his Holdback. first time trying to breed her he's gotcha. one of the holdbacks yeah so she has not been tried and this is the first year that it would be possible um so i'm definitely gonna try but <laughs> you know they also just did a cross-country plane ride so <laughs> it might be a it might be an off year but we'll see how it goes oh, you never know you never, cool. know. You never know but yes the the girl is four and the male is 19 he's a 2002 holy wow. shit and he is a really impressive animal. <laughs> like he, he doesn't look overweight by any means. If he was, he wouldn't have lived 19 years, but he's large just in, in that he's old, you know, like right. he's proportionally correct. He looks trim and healthy, but he's long. He is a big animal. Wow. Um, That's cool. But at least <clears throat> in 2020, he was still reproductive. So I think he's got a year or two left in him. Hopefully. <laughs> That's least. awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. He could yeah. probably live into his thirties. I'm going to do everything I can to make that happen. But yeah. you know, it, it is kind of nice also just to know in the back of my head that I do have his son as a fallback plan. If the worst is to happen. Um, right. You know, which is, you kind of have to think realistically when you have just almost geriatric animals. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, hopefully I have the girl for decades to come and I'm, I don't know. I, I genuinely feel the most content that I have ever felt with the reptile side of my life. And I, I, I don't want anything. I just want to focus on what I have. And I right. never felt that way. Uh, That's a good feeling when you, yeah. you finally get to that point. I just feel so content. And I, I like all the boxes are checked and I feel like I have enough boxes to where I should just focus on my boxes. <laughs> <laughs> That's so hard, man. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that's like. Yeah. I um, yeah, and it probably is. <laughs> yeah, it probably helps too that I'm working at East Bay right now because I get a lot of my, you know, animal outlet out there. Yeah. Um, I definitely wanted more stuff when I wasn't working there because I wasn't surrounded by it all day. Right. Um, Riley, you that you probably relate to that. You, you know, yeah. just getting hands on with all the monitors and stuff at GX3. Yeah. You, 
you're not like i need a lacy at home (laughs) no i I need a lacy at home okay (laughs) yeah those are are, those are the exception those things are fucking epic dude i can't wait till they're so much bigger they're like two and a half years old and dude they're they're gonna be so damn big when they're adults and i can't wait like they're awesome they're really awesome what's their temperament like are they they they're twitchy man they they are aware of everything and, yeah and they're, they flinch a lot they they kind of like like fast movements are kind of like yeah like they're right. just really they're really hyper hyper aware hypersensitive of every stimulus touching them and moving um they're not prone to bite in my experience but it's just these two animals but um neither of them has even tried so as far as I'm concerned, they're just flighty uh, unless you corner them. Right. I've, I've honestly gotten bit more by the, the baby water monitors than these two. So what's their, what, I, I'm sort of, I, I don't remember. Like what's their adult size? They're, they're pretty big, right? Like a water I would say size? snout to vent. You, you're probably looking at a meter, 1.2 meters. So close to, you know, three feet snout to vent, big long tail, six foot animal, no problem. That's a wow. decent size. Wow. But they're they're longer, they're leaner. Like if you see, if you see photos of water monitors, think of them, but like a, a trimmer body, not yeah. as stout. You know, thick legs, like longer, leaner legs. Um, but they've got a really long tail, so yeah, Coast they're uh, they're good size. Our two-year-olds, I'd say right now, are snout to vent maybe two feet. Like if I'm holding the female right here and I've got her chest in my hands, her back legs are here. Yeah, so she's probably about two feet snout to vent, so maybe four and a half feet long overall right now. I guess they're more arboreal than, say, a water monitor, right? They're rarely on the ground. I only see the R's on the ground to go to the bathroom or dig around. Otherwise, they're up on ledges, up in trees, all the way up to the ceiling. The water monitors yeah. are in the pool, digging around on the sand, uh, occasionally on ledges if it's warm, but otherwise they are completely different. I can't remember the um, – there was a YouTube video that I that I saw, and this guy moved up to, like, the Cairns area, I guess it was, like, up in that area, and um, he has, like, this – beautiful backyard like right out into the rainforest and he would go out on his deck and he would watch these monitors sort of raid the nest of cockatoos yeah it's wild man you know and then yeah. those cockatoos are like fighting off the monitor and the monitors is pulling <laughs> baby right out of the baby chicks mm-hmm. right out which which is kind of brutal i guess when you think about it but you know that's yeah. what nature is but yeah you know these things are they're they're cool lizards man they're hands down my favorite i mean i I think i'd have to work with parentes just to rule them out before i say like these are cooler but as far as my experiences go right now the laces are definitely my favorite yeah that's cool that's awesome we saw the dr uh uh one that was dr it was dor but I mean, it was kind of squashed beyond all you could really see was the the, the skin, so you knew yeah. what, what it was. But um, kind of leather, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, rough. Can I post it? Yeah, post it up. I think you can. I don't know. Maybe they'll take us to us. Go ahead, Alex. <laughs> post it up. A coastal carpet bite that was posted. Mm. Yeah, I didn't see it. 
I got bit by uh, my six and a half, seven foot little four year old from Travis the other day, and she grabbed me on the hands <laughs> and did this whole like food wrap, and it was just right in like the Ooh. meat right there, dude. <laughs> oh, it like itches now, but like this whole area was like blue and green and Ugh. swollen. Oh, it was not pleasant. Ouch. Wow. Yeah, she held on for a while. I haven't been bitten a long time by anything bigger than baby spotted pythons at work and my baby Aki. I don't know. I'm on a streak. One of of the baby black dragons I was holding just randomly decided for no reason just to (laughs) latch on and just... He was like on the ground like trying to pull away like like digging in there and I was like hey, this is actually really starting to hurt. Hey! It's like that guy in Jurassic Park 2 that gets killed by the compies. Yeah, (laughs) but like, dude, I sympathize. That shit hurt, man. He was like, yeah, if you had like a hundred of them, you'd be. Oh, dude, like that really freaking hurt. Like all day, my, you know, when your finger gets smashed in a door or something and it like hurts all day, like that deep bruising. That's how my finger felt. I was like, you're too small to be able to do that. That's not cool. (laughs) Wow. That's wild. Oh, yes. Yeah. Hopefully it figures out how to be friendly before it's a giant. Uh, that's not my problem. That's Byers' problem. <laughs> I'll play with the nice ones, and then the the mean ones. I'll get some attention, but otherwise, like if they're gonna be how they're gonna be, then you know, whatever. Saying <laughs> you haven't been bit only means you're gonna get bit. Yeah, probably eventually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. Owens Wilma's try every time I give them water. <laughs> Did you see the photo that Scott put up of that yeah. Wilma biting its tail and like full wrapping its tail? Yeah, that's concerning because <laughs> they're definitely dumb enough to try to eat themselves. Oh man. Like you've seen that with king snakes. I feel like yeah. a Wilma would do it. <laughs> yeah, they're Probably. Australia's king snake for sure. Yeah. Wow, <laughs> the poor Wilmas. <laughs> hey, I love them, but they're they're no blackheads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what did you guys think of that Woma that looked like the Exanic? I guess it's an, what is it, an Exanic Woma or whatever? The super dark ones that got posted up. Yeah, what, what was your thoughts on that? I thought it was cool, but I still preferred the more orangey ones to the ones that are exceedingly yeah. black. Yeah, me too. I do like that one that came up not too long ago, that all black one, that like orange head that went into like a stripe on the back that disappeared into all black. Yes. Yeah. I thought that, that was look was really cool. That was super weird. Yeah, I thought was... that had like a neat, like burnt from the snake ranch bushfire right? look. Mm-hmm. I think it was the snake ranch that had those. Right. And it, it wasn't there also one in the US. Yeah. Somebody else had some pop up, I think, um, this year. Yeah. Oh, like uh, the dark, uh, dark like super melanistic with the streak of orange. Yeah. 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 Hmm. I thought I had a picture of that, but I guess I don't. Okay. We definitely tossed it around, but that was like at the beginning of the year. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> cool. I'm, I've only I've tried eating one of the kids. Toys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That sounds about right. Yeah. Oh, it man. does. <laughs> that sounds. All right. Let's see. What do we got here? But you got to love them for it, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I uh, uh oh. I'm just glad my babies don't do that. Okay. Yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're I mean, starting no, to I'm get curious like... and nose around. Yeah. Odds are good. One of yours will probably stay chill. But I think that from my observations, when they start to be bitey, it happens around a year or two. Really? When they when they decide everything is food. 
<laughs> and then the ones that don't decide everything's food like stay chill i don't know like i've still yet to meet a woma that bites defensively or like aggressively it's always just food <laughs> like, yeah food <laughs> yeah that's fair let's see here we go i got this picture of this bite let's see what's what <laughs> what's going on <laughs> are we talking about the uh the yeah. coastal carpet bite oh my god uh-oh, do we want to show this? Ooh. Ooh. Wow, that's that's pretty rough. Is there context? Oh, is it from over in Australia? Is it a big <laughs> wild one or something? Yeah, it's um it's a wild carpet python bite. Nice. Okay. That's kind of nice. Here we Let's go. Let's see this. All right. You Your oh, discretion yeah. is advised. Oh. That's Ooh. why you don't pull away when you get bit. Yeah, that's Ooh. not for the squeamish. Ooh, man. Ooh, yeah, yeah. That's like a dog bite. Probably, <laughs> probably need surgery for ligament damage on that one, based on the location. That's like what happened to my coworker that got jumped by the croc monitor and needed surgery. It's like right, right through the ligaments there. Yeah, yeah. That's I think that's one of the many examples and reasons why we we won't do croc monitors at the shop. I wish we no. didn't do croc monitors at my shop, but there's like four. <laughs> Yeah, yeah man. we draw some lines. We draw some lines. <laughs> Croc cool. monitors is one of them. Yeah, yeah. That that that's like one of those reptiles that probably shouldn't be in the hands of most people. Yeah, I can sure. promise you that there's only been like one person who's come into the shop in the entirety that I would trust buying a, a Croc monitor from me if if we had it. Right. And and I just don't want that on on my conscience. That's also why we don't sell retics or berms or anacondas or speaking of conscience, I green iguanas. I had to sell well, I guess I didn't have to. I kinda had to. I had to sell a retic the other day and I really didn't feel good about it. I did just I I didn't. Just gotta be honest. It was to a nineteen year old. And so, you know, they're one year old enough for me to not be able to say, no, you're too young. You're a kid. Where's your parents? You know, um, and they were like, yeah, I've kept a bunch of ball pythons. It's like, all right, so we need to talk about this, you know, and chat. Do you get them. in trouble if you like pause that sale and like, you know, coach them a bit at all? Do they? No. And, and that's exactly what I did. I was like, nice. well, you need to realize and I'm, sh- you know, no offense. I'm sure you're doing your research, but. You know, just listen to me when I tell you that this animal is going to be large enough to eat a small child. It's going to be large enough to eat your dog. And you're going to need to provide it with a cage the size of a large closet or a small room. (laughs) You understand that, right? They're like, yeah, 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 (laughs) Yeah, no problem. (laughs) I was like, and have you had large snakes before? I got some ball pythons, you know, and I'm like, okay. (sighs) And it's tricky because, you know, you can only really say in my position, nah, I'm not going to sell this to you. If they give you a glaring red flag. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like if, they, if, they're, if they're willing and, and if they're telling you, I, I know, I know all these things. I I'm ready for it. I'm done my research. Yeah. I, I'm not in over my head. I, who am I to argue with them? I agree. But you just still have that feeling. Was it a, a young one or the retic was a, a yearling. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. still young enough where like, like a normal, some, you know, a normal yes. mainland. Still okay. So that's still a, a decent sized snake. It's bigger than all of his ball pythons already. Yeah. But yeah, we 
we we never had good luck with uh selling I struggle music, with that. so I struggle with it inside because I I just know that if I was 19 and thought that I knew what I was getting myself into I still would be in for a rude awakening four years later <laughs> yeah dang i can see how that that bite ended up if that snake grabbed him like That's that what, and then just went yep. just yep. grind him like good lord oh, that was on a video <laughs> yeah <laughs> no yeah. yeah oh man so that's the snake it's not even that big i think it's just what you're saying riley it's just how he was bit Oh right? yeah, I mean we all know like how baby carpets when they flail and they do that. Like imagine, so like you grab a baby and it's like ah, and it flails and grabs and starts doing this. Imagine an adult going ah, and then just zoop. like yeah. Ow. <laughs> oh, that would hurt <laughs> so. In the hospital, yep. <laughs> yeah, that's about oh, right. Man. <laughs> hey, gotta respect oh. it, man. It doesn't need to be a twenty foot snake <laughs> to mess you up. Good no. lord, that's bad. Anybody want to buy a carpet python? <laughs> so, carpet pythons. Carpet pythons. Carpets and coffee. Dude, you know what's really funny is uh, I'll check my my YouTube comments in the, the YouTube studio periodically. And I made a video like last year or early this year about how big do carpet pythons get. I did like a, a video on males and then a video on females. I remember that. So two things stand out. One, I get a lot of folks from Australia that love to tell me how authentically Australian they are and that they've yeah. seen bigger or heard of bigger, right? right? Like everybody, like one guy is like, I'm on a TV show. I've researched this population. He claims there's some that get 16 feet. I'm like, you do you buddy. Like I, I yeah. can't say one way or the other, but I can tell you there's no carpet Python out of the hundred in here that is over eight feet. So like, you know, take away everything I say with a grain of salt. It's my experience. So I get a lot of people doing that, but then I also get um, people that are just like absolutely up in arms about like, Oh, that's not true. They're, they're, they're huge. I thought they're like big and bitey and coastals uh, are 12 feet. Monster. Yeah. Like I still get that. I'm like, what, what? Yeah. <laughs> No, it's it's no. It, for people that aren't in our little bubble. Like the general yeah. consensus for reptile people that aren't carpet people is definitely that coastals get eight to ten feet. Like that's that's the misconception that I think is most common about. Well, carpet. and like you go you go look up a uh, Sunshine Gold Coast Snake Catchers Instagram or whatever it is, and you'll see him pulling like big old carpet pythons. Like what recently like holding four coastals by the tail he's like four from one house and it's like a shot from down <laughs> here holding them up over his head and it looks like they're nine foot monsters and it's like yeah come on people you know those things are like seven feet at best eight feet like are you are you accusing him of the fisherman's tactics of holding, <laughs> holding the fish a hundred percent a hundred percent but he wasn't the one posting saying anything about size but like that's the impression i right. get like I'll go check my YouTube analytics and, and those videos get commented on frequently, despite them being relatively old and outdated at this point. Um, and I swear I I've only had like one person be like, Oh, I'm so glad to see somebody not, you know, power feeding their animals to massive <laughs> sizes. 99% of the responses are, um, I'm from Australia and I know they get bigger. Or I've heard of bigger. Or I've studied populations that bigger. Or I've seen that. And it's like, <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. So if we're looking at a bell curve, 
there's like a handful of them at that far end, the right. outliers that maybe get bigger than eight feet. They might but be then 30 years old. It might yeah. be 10 years since their last clutch. <laughs> yeah. But then there's that bell curve, the meat and potatoes of the population that are in the five to seven foot range. Yeah, it's it's sort of well, there I have a couple comments with that, right? It's sort of the thing that uh Justin and Nick always say where they're kind of like, you know, just because somebody found one that's 13 feet doesn't mean that all of them are 13 feet. Just like if there's a eight foot human being, it doesn't mean that human to you what you're saying with the bell curve thing, but it's like and then um even myself, it, 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 I have been guilty of this, and, and this is sort of where me and Rob have sort of come up with it. When we found that OP, the Owen Pelly, it was kind of like, you know, uh, he, he cracks up like when me and Owen will talk about it and talk about the size of it. And just like our perception of what it was as opposed to his perception of what it was, even that scrub python that we found on the first trip, right? You know, I'm saying – Ah, yeah, easily it's, you know, it was, it was this, you know, six foot or whatever. And it's like, you know, and then Rob like breaks down like, well, (laughs) you know, look at me holding it. Look how tall I am. And, you know, and and goes through it. And then he's kind of like, you know, you're wrong, man. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, but it's not that you're, you know, again, and I actually saw the animal and I'm saying it's the wrong size. So like, I, I don't know. I think it's like that perception that it's like, if it's a big snake, it's like 12 foot. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, That's it's automatically. I mean, how many people foot. are, how many people are actually whipping out a string and measuring it? You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like I'm looking at a really big jungle carpet in a four foot cage and she's, She's all the way doubled across the length with her head and her tail touching, like doubled up. She is easily eight feet plus. And that's right. That's a huge female jungle. Right. Yeah, that's pretty big. It is possible. Yeah, she's she's ginormous, dude. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I got her at 10 years old. Um, But yeah, I mean, there's always exceptions to the rule. And the other thing that I think um, gets lost in the mix, too, is is carpet pythons in the United States. Our yes. U.S. population has been so isolated for so long, too, that right. you could argue that. They're full um, species? No. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not saying if you let them go in Florida and then one has eggs, you've now got Florida native carpets. I'm Damn saying. It. I mean. Uh, it's probably happened. But um, I'm saying that, like, our population yeah. It's very distinct yeah. from the population that's in Australia, sure. even if we're looking at similar like animals, species, like genomic sequence, regardless of how simple, like right. what we have came from a small sample of what they have. And then it's been run with essentially what they yep. have is a larger sample that's still been running. And right. so you get different averages, you get different norms, you get different everything. 100%. I mean, I, I would argue that the head shape, of the wild carpets over in Australia look very different from all of the captive ones here in the United States. When you look at video footage of them, they, the scalation yeah. just yeah. looks bigger, tougher, I mean, healthier, more vibrant, like yeah. just different. It, think, I, it's, of, uh, think of brettles, I for example. I mean, like our U.S. like typical brettles is extremely dark compared mm-hmm. to the majority of what we see in Australia. You might be able to chalk that up to some UV explanation or maybe the 10 to 20 
founder animals that right. all of ours we're are dark. descended from we're right. dark <laughs> right. right yeah um, and and yeah. and just by sheer randomness and just by how things shake out the trajectory the united states population goes as far as breeding subsequent generations is entirely different than everywhere else that has them in captivity regardless of origin they could all come from the same thing you put them in different places for 50 years they're going to look different at the end of those 50 years 100 percent, because it's it's artificial selection at that point yes yeah so i think when we get into these weird little discussions where we're like trying to iron out details we've, that's like one of the variables that tends to get overlooked and i would argue that like the population is probably different for what's in europe from what's in australia from what's in the yeah. united states from what's wherever <clears throat> else yeah. yeah yeah i got a question for you guys um what do you what are you and i'm just throwing this out there as i heard you say, talking about this but like as we're breeding right and we're keeping animals smaller let's say, mm -hmm. right? Let's say that the trend over the last 10 years, five years or whatever has been that males don't need to be as big. Um, and, you know, basically, you know, females don't need to be huge and overweight and all this stuff. So you're looking at like, you know, three to four foot male carpet pythons. Do you think that keeping them at that size and maintaining them at that size is going to sort of transfer over time to become that that's what they grow to yes or am i yeah is that possible or am i yes. being stupid okay no that's that's exactly how selective breeding works right okay in my mind and maybe um in my mind when i think about that question it's it, it you kind of have to draw the line between the genetic predetermined mm. uh predetermined genetic code Mac, for like the maximums and minimums and right. environmental factors of feeding right so if i have a carpet that everything in its genetic code is pushing it's, for a larger size but i still don't let it because yeah. i just barely feed it bonsai then i would <laughs> think that it's genetic code that it passes on to its offspring is not going to be altered it's still going to be this a recombination of mom and dad's genes for height or length, et cetera, et cetera. So how okay. I treat that animal doesn't change what's in the code. But if I am somebody who only buys small snakes, my odds of the code reflecting smaller animals is a lot higher because I, you know, maybe I'm buying a snake that was fed a lot more than what I feed my snakes, but it's still small because it's, genetically coded to be smaller i think right. i think that's when selection would occur because selection in my understanding can't be influenced by how we manipulate the environment it's right. it would only be manipulated by which genes we decide should be passed down and i think that's what's tricky with snake size because with humans our size vertically our Vertical orientation Easy. is completely genetic. <laughs> I can right? eat as much as I want. I can drink milk as a child. I was going to be 5'8". I can eat 5 million calories a day. I will still be 5'8", and I'll be fat as hell. But with a snake, they it's not a direct growing. comparison because right. we keep feeding them. They keep growing. Right. Okay. Um, I don't know. Does any of that make sense? Am I rambling? <laughs> no, I kind of follow what you're saying. I just, <laughs> I just am trying to figure out to what Riley's saying. Like, when does yeah. that become selected so basically what you're saying is uh they always possess the ability to get 
So I guess my to question, a certain size. and so Travis Wyman, when you get to this point in the video, let me know. <laughs> I guess my question is to what degree is a snake size um, written in genetic code, or I guess potential for size, right? Some snakes are going to have the potential to be huge. Some snakes, no matter what you do, aren't going to have that potential because that's gene- that's the genetic side of the equation. And then how, what percentage of it is simply food intake, environmental so, factors. So how would you, how would you explain, say a dwarf retic or a dwarf boa from these it's islands perfect. where they're, they're going to yeah. these islands and they're sort of. So a dwarf retic that is a locality on an island, that population has naturally selected for the smaller individuals. And I guess all things being equal we're assuming that the relative prey abundance for each specimen on that island is roughly the same. But for whatever reason, being the smaller snake in the clutch favored that animal over generations to the point where small became the normal. Um, For whatever reason, it's just like the dwarf mammoths on the Channel Islands. Um, Some normal-sized mammoths swam out there, got on the Channel Islands, and only the smaller ones survived which is why they it became a dwarf population but that is that is in the genetics that's in the code if you take a dwarf mammoth and feed it like crazy it's never going to turn into a regular mammoth from generations past i guess that would be my question right when how how does that how does that code change is it the fact that like i would think to sort of what riley's saying it's sort of like selecting for that smaller size so like over time, that code is going to change? Is that, I think is, that, am I following you right? Yes. If we're selecting for animals that are truly smaller because of their genetics, then 100%. But I'm saying where we get potentially a little thrown off with snakes is that we have more control over their size than what the genetics would tell us there's there's stunt you can stunt you can you can hold the genetics back to an extent so because let me ask this question it's not growing right so let me ask this question could you take that dwarf retic and if it then went to the mainland where the big retics are right would then it does it still potentially have that code to where it could grow to the size of of a mainland retic i think that that would have to happen over generations and it would need to be selected for where the larger babies are the ones that succeed. Um, I might have to have another cup of coffee to get this under my head. <laughs> <laughs> I don't what what I don't believe with my knowledge of genetics is that the genetic code for being a giant snake, it's not an on or off switch that a dwarf retic just turned off and then from one generation to another went from sure. 24 yeah, yeah, yeah. to 10. And, you know, yeah. it was a gradual yeah, transition. Sure. Food of, availability. Right. You know, and of random inheritance, right. random variation, random mutation, where in a clutch of the founding animals that got on that island, maybe some of them were genetically predisposed to be 20 feet. Maybe some of them were just, just predisposed to be 19 feet. Maybe some of them could only hit 15 feet. And maybe the ones that only had a maximum of 15 feet are the ones that made it. And then over and over and over again for hundreds of generations that worked its way all the way down to the seven or eight 
foot maximum that we see in those populations or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I, this is just my understanding of it. I'm no expert or geneticist, but well, if you're not an expert, <laughs> I'm screwed. Cause I, <laughs> I don't know. Riley, hey, you're, what, you're, what do you think? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. I guess the main point I'm just trying to hammer home is that snakes presented an interesting case for our cognition of this concept yeah, and how we understand it because we can influence their size so much with food. Whereas you or I are going to be our height no matter how much we eat. Um, I'm trying, man. I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> That's what I mean. We're only going to grow outward. Yeah. But I think at the end of the day, if we're talking about artificially selecting for anything, it has to be rooted in what genes we are allowing to be passed down through right selection. It, it me deciding not to feed my snake is not going to make its baby smaller. Sure. Yeah. 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 I guess originally the, the question that I was asking is over generations and over generations as you're keeping smaller snakes, right? Is that somehow going to be passed down. Yes, if they're smaller because of their genetics and not just because I decided not to feed them. Okay, now I get it. Okay. All right. Okay, sorry. That, that I get it. Okay. <laughs> Very good. Sorry, I might have just completely ran in circles for 10 minutes over something that could have been a No, sentence. no, 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 no. It was a, I, I enjoy those conversation. It gets my brain thinking, you know? I mean, okay. uh, you know, it's I don't know. I'm just a random dude that keeps snakes in his in a room. Uh, <laughs> uh, don't sell yourself short. Uh, you, you are a wealth crack. of knowledge in Wait, your own it. right. But um, I think I, I remember listening to Travis Wyman on one of the Herpticulture Network episodes, and I think Phil asked him, like, right. with this idea of artificial selection, mind, you know, what? Where's the limit? Can I breed a venomless rattlesnake if I breed? the rattlesnake in every clutch with the least amount of venom to the one with the least amount of venom. And then over generations to generations, I select for less venom until there just is none. And Dr. Wyman was like, yeah, take a really long time, but you could totally do that because that's, that's a genetic choice. Um, so huh. I don't know that idea stuck with me that truly anything is possible. If you have enough generations and enough time and you're measuring something that is a, that is resultant of genetic information, not environmental factors. But I would imagine that keeping cap animals in captivity really would uh, be difficult because there's so many to judge that, right? Because yeah, the, that's the, the trick. The wild is, and I think to to the whole point of all this is sort of Riley's point <laughs> is like when we're comparing, like, so we. It, when we're on Mario Python radio or you're doing a YouTube video or whatever, um, we're talking about our perspective from United States captive bred carpet pythons, which let's be real, you know, that's what most people are looking. You know what I mean? Like we're not talking to scientists. We're talking to herpers, right? So they, they want to know if I keep a carpet Python, what is the size of said snake going to be? Right. And for somebody that's going to argue with you in Australia that, you know, uh, uh, well, there's populations that get 15 feet. Yes. 
I'm sure there is. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. you know, like, I don't know. I'm not in Australia and I haven't been all through every population of carpet python. However, yeah. that's null and void because they're not here and we're not dealing with that. So I don't understand. Yeah. It's like comparing apples and oranges. Yeah. You know what I, I do mean? think we're, that absolutely, if we're fortunate enough as a as a species to get a few more hundred years out of this whole experiment, and uh, <laughs> there's a lot of captive generations of carpets, and we don't ever have exchange from the U.S. to Australia, absolutely down the line you'll be like that does not look like that anymore. Um, yeah, that's just inevitable because there's no mixing. Um, you know, if, yeah. if if you took two population or, or, or sorry, if you took one population of like a finch, for example, and they're the same damn thing, they're the same species, they breed, yada, yada, you drop them on two different islands and they never mix, you give it enough time, they're not going to be the same thing anymore. Um, yeah. Whether it's natural or artificial selection, the selection is not going to be identical. Right. When the period of time is long enough. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you could sort of see a huge to to what you said earlier, Riley, the 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 when you look at a wild carpet, their head structure of a coastal carpet, let's say, as opposed to what we have in the US, completely different in my opinion. You know, the the the, the jowls are bigger and the you know, it's just it's just a bigger, it's just a different you know, shape. Maybe that's from inbreeding, maybe. I don't, I don't know. That's another factor that we like to <laughs> pretend is not there, but yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. I want brettle the size of Antaresia. <laughs> that would be sweet. That would be cool. And I could have so many. <laughs> yes. yes. Cool. That would yeah. Be anyway, well, that was cool. Yeah. That's fun. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, Genetic brain twister. Yeah. Did you get anything new this week, Riley? <laughs> no. Thank God. I've got a fucking wedding to pay for. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember that year. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be expensive as shit. Yeah. Um, I'm still waiting to... I'm still waiting to get my male boa cabana. Uh, right. IJ. So. Yeah. It seems that you are having some troubles with... With that, my friend, when it comes to people sending you snakes... Yeah, it's it all happens. good. It happens. Human error. I'll forgive it. You yeah. know, I'm sure. I'm sure it won't be the last time. I'm sure I'll do it in my future. You know, it is what it is. You know. Um, Shit, I did as... it to Owen. <laughs> like, damn you! Oh, That's pretty good. Uh, yeah. Damn it! It happens. I mean, yeah. I've got that uh, that female. Oh, here's speaking of feeding potential. I, you know, genetics feeding a, a female like a male, and then all of a sudden it's five, six years old and it's tiny. And now this female zebra is like 12 years old or, or more and only will eat small rats and is not growing at all. Hmm. Huh. The, the variable in there, too, that I think we forget is, or that maybe hasn't been fully fleshed out is in what window of time are they capable of achieving those growth potentials? Is it limited? 
is it at a certain time it slows down regardless of those years before like if they if they aren't getting the food intake for the first three years but then something changes and all of a sudden they're getting appropriate food intake are they going to catch up to what they should have been you know at a certain right. time frame or or will they always have those three years that they missed out on and because it's earlier in life you don't get that exponential growth rate um and then they're stunted i you know is it within a window that you can fix it and then catch up to normal size or at a certain point the size they're at is like kind of limiting their trajectory man and it's so hard too because like normal size completely depends on those genetic predetermined factors too. yeah there's too many variables there's population variables (laughs) yeah i mean this this female i i I swear she's you know maybe that big around right like almost looks like she probably wouldn't be capable of producing a clutch but then i've seen you know darwin's that have produced clutches that small and and all sorts of stuff so you know i'm not going to rule that out but it's that's another one of those questions that like yeah yeah like if you were to if you were to keep a a baby carpet python on the bare minimum amount of food to keep it alive for five years right and then start feeding it would it grow to an adult size normally or not it's a great question i i think so oh go ahead go ahead just real quick i think the the question boils down to is the rate of growth relative to caloric intake constant throughout the life or do you have a window when you're younger mm-hmm. where it's a- a- accelerated mm-hmm. yeah and i don't know the answer to that yeah I, I the reason i think about it is because i think about in terms of like crocodilians the first 35 years is like the if you're looking at a graph it's like exponential and then at 35 it's sort of like almost plateaus but then they kind of have this incremental growth like indeterminate incremental growth the rest of their life so the first 35 years is crucial and you can absolutely stunt an alligator. So within the right. first like 10 years, if they don't get that food intake, they're never reaching the top of that bell curve. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm sure there's biological factors too. We're talking alligators and snakes in the same conversation. Those are two entirely yeah, different animals. Different. Yeah. <laughs> I love this I, though. We're getting into some meaty stuff today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we take a couple weeks off and it's uh, <laughs> ner- nerd alert here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> um, yeah, I, you know, so for me, here's been my experience, right? Um, is that when raising babies, I sort of don't really feed all, you know, I feed during the winter, but not nowhere near what other people would. You could definitely notice a difference between something that you know, I maintained and produced, but then you look at what, you know, like Riley's citrus tiger head albino. I mean, he got that and she's, she's a good size, right? I mean, she's as big as the mom easy. Mm -hmm. So my initial thought would be, I'm sure there's probably a point where, and maybe I'm not going the absolute bare minimum, but there's a huge chunk of time. Well, you know, now that I'm thinking of it, does it matter that it would be so over the course of the year, let's say that, you know, a snake can eat and I'm just throwing a number out there, you know, 30 rats or 30 mice or whatever it would be. Um, But it's just when I choose to feed as opposed to when somebody else chooses to feed. So 
reality, it might be that my snakes might take longer because they're not growing during that period, right? Does, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. You know, and then all of a sudden when I start to feed them, then they start to put on size very quickly. And maybe at the end of the day, they catch up to be the same size. I mean, would you look at it from from like when I say season, I'm going to say year. Like if you're feeding 30 and I'm feeding 30, but my 30 happens within three months as opposed to your 30, which happens over the course of the entire year. Does Would that yeah. make a difference, do you think? I, w- I would think it wouldn't, right? Still 30. I mean, yeah, calorically, the if it's within a window that the animal can process whatever it's getting at the same rate, then right. I would think, yeah, in theory, if that's, yeah, it, it should it should grow the same. Um, I think to the extreme on the opposite end, you can really push it like to a ridiculous number, very easy, very early and then get them beyond, you know, what they would otherwise be capable of. Right. Like if you were to feed an animal at whatever other rate versus like a heavy, heavy rate from day one, Every other animal fed at a normal rate probably won't hit the size of that super slam power fed from day one animal. I would think a 25-year-old carpet python fed at a very sparing, healthy rate would never achieve the size of a carpet python that's like fed every three days for its (laughs) entire life. Right. You know, because that thing's going to get, you know, 10 feet and have a heart attack at three years old or something. You know, it, it, it's it's weird. I remember this guy wanted to give me a jag, and this was years ago. And um, he did the typical keep it as a pet, fed it a big rat every week, you know, regardless, year-round. It would just eat this rat. And, like, you don't realize what an overweight snake looks like until you see something like that, and you're just like, wow. <laughs> like, wow. Yeah. You know, I mean, this carpet python was humongous. Yeah. There but, is a morbidly obese coastal in the back at the vivarium. Yeah, really? Somebody donated, surrendered it. You know, like we we didn't do it, <clears throat> yeah. but I actually took pictures of that animal to send to Nick for the discussion of obesity in the book because it's huge, <laughs> <laughs> like overstuffed sausage. Right. Oof. Yeah. You get the rolls and everything. It just yeah. it, you yeah. can tell when it's not right. And I've said this before on the show, like snakes are not designed to store fat <clears throat> subcutaneously like we are under the skin. It's right. It first manifests in the body cavity and around the organs. So when it gets to the point that you're literally able to see it, you're so far gone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause the inside is yeah. already inundated with adipose tissue. What's, what's strange is like when I look at my citrus tiger female, right? She's a 2009. So what is she? Uh, what? Uh, 12 years, 11 years old, 12 years old, something like that. 13. Um, 13. Right. So uh, she's thick and she's solid, but she's maybe four and a half, five foot, if that. Right. But I think because of her small size, like lengthwise, she appears to be a little bit thicker, but not overweight. And I wonder, I'm really leaning towards, you know, well, you know how I'm looking at keeping snakes and all and like, 
with being able to perch. But I, I, I don't know, man. I'm sort of seeing like from keeping carpet pythons and racks when I'm putting them back into the into the tub, their tail just doesn't have like you, you know how like when you have a baby carpet, it it like it's like that tail is just wrapping around whatever it can wrap around. Right. And I just don't see that same, you know, muscle strength. And I wonder, you know, I don't know. I wonder if that makes a difference for the overall health. I mean, she seems good. She doesn't seem fat, but like when you look at other snakes I have, yeah, you know, I mean, there's certain things <clears throat> with, with snakes and things like carpets where we can't directly compare to our own physiology anatomy Correct. like the right you know food consumption equaling vertical orientation thing like i was talking about earlier we can't compare that but i think one thing that is directly comparable is musculature it's either you work out that muscle and it's strong or you don't and it it's weak i, I think that's directly comparable so if we think about a carpet climbing a tree as like a person who does 20 curls a day those muscles are going to be a lot more, you know, uh, developed and, and stronger in both cases than the person that doesn't or the snake that doesn't get to climb a tree. I think that can be directly compared. Um, but their muscle, their muscle, just their muscle anatomy would be different, right? Because they're ambush predators. So they're designed to be able to stay in a spot for, for, for a, a good length of time without moving muscles. But I guess yes and no, because how much do they have to move to get into a good ambush position? You know, they're not completely sedentary right? and they quite literally climb, which, <laughs> yeah. which takes a lot more uh, physicality than, than, you know, burying yourself under some, some leaf litter. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, it's an interesting question. Well, I guess um, when you look at something like a carpet python as opposed to something like a gaboon viper or right. a blood python, which is basically, I mean, I mean, am I wrong to think that they're pretty much sedentary, that they're going to yeah. pile under a thing of leaf litter and just sort of wait? You're not wrong at all. Right. <laughs> so yeah, okay. that's all they do. I guess my question would be, and I don't know the answer to this, it might be out there, um, but have there been radio tracking studies of the various carpets to see the average distance traveled between, you know, site A and site B. Um, I think Shine did some work with that, I believe. Because yeah. um, that, that would be what I looked to. You know, when I looked to that information for Woma specifically, it was an average of a third of a mile between, you know, rest spot and, and prey consumption. So, you know, they're putting in the miles. Um, right. right. So I guess, you know, how much is a carpet really moving and exercising in the wild? How much action does that tail really get when they're allowed to use it right. and have to use it because it's not only just chasing down food too they might have to be moving up and down a vertical gradient for thermoregulation throughout the day if we're talking about um sure a day where the temperature fluctuates yeah 20 30 degrees night and day you know they're not going to be able to be sedentary if they want to um, be comfortable during that entire period and I would think that if they're say it's cooler down on the on the jungle floor, right, that they would want to move up and they could probably get into a spot higher up in the canopy to where they might find a spot where they could bask and, you know, just a little where they could get more heat, if you will. So yeah. moving up and down, you know, 
exactly regulate right exactly yeah i mean definitely i think you know bottom line the snakes that are allowed to climb in captivity are going to have more developed musculature than snakes that are that are curled up all day right um, and don't have that option to grip onto something with the tail and and work on those uh that ton- tonacity tonality tonacity right. tonality tonality <laughs> right yeah, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, sure, for sure. It's kind um, of interesting, like when people that keep the carpets outside feel a difference in the skin. You know, it's like that's the environmental factor coming into play where that's changing the physiology. I guess they would have to be tougher, right? I mean, you're probably out in the, you know, I guess everything's harsher. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's funny, uh, Riley, you were talking about your bow cabana. Um, IJ and here is the um you said it came from so here is like one of their founding stock but yeah. I look at like you see how you can't really to me this is kind of a chunky fat carpet in my opinion I don't yeah. know what you guys think but like looks like a big girl to me yeah when I can't Love see the stripe. that that definite <laughs> yeah this is where the tiger IJ came from as okay. you can see you know yeah, gorgeous um, and then uh I don't know. Wait, the mail, just so you have it. I'll have to send these pictures to you so you have them. But um, I have one uh, photo of one of their their original imports from 1993. That's uh, nice and perched in like a traditional chondro perch on a branch with a great stripe. Nice. That's that's the mail. Cool. Oh, nice <laughs> deer antler perches. Nice. That's pretty, <laughs> that's pretty badass. <laughs> That is pretty cool. I didn't notice that. Oh, not, yeah, not bad. <laughs> cool. cool. Right on. Those are sick. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I gave uh, eight baby carpets those three D printed perches. Um, yeah, how did that go? Not a single one has used them. <laughs> <laughs> Son of a bitch! <laughs> not not one. Really? Not a one. Huh. I even like when I gave it to them, I put them on. And I was like, here, learning experience. Here's a perch. <laughs> and they all went, fuck you, and ran off. And like, they're all like, no. Now huh. it made me start to question if they'd had had that from the moment they hatched, would it be different? Because we're talking animals that are five, six months old. Possibly. Hat is that. And how much of that translates from their parental like innate behaviors if their parents were raised in cages or racks that don't have perches and they don't have that behavior to pass on is that something innate is that learned is that instinctual like yeah Uh, i'm gonna gonna explode (laughs) lucas's head on today's episode no Um, now we're getting into nature versus nurture (laughs) right right yeah i love that one because that one that one brings up even more questions i mean when you talk about nature versus nurture and people it's especially trippy like oh yeah you can see it in three generations and people yeah i i have a sorry just really quick tangent but i have a good friend who's a photographer who was adopted and when she finally met her biological father at like 18 or 19 years old i want to say they're literally the same person he's also a photographer and they'd never met you know she was raised by completely other people not artistic people super weird anyway back to sex (laughs) yeah yeah i think about that stuff you know we i think was it 
Dr. Loafman or Travis Wyman or somebody they're talking about it in relation to the health of future generations of offspring in, in, in snakes that are fed improper diets, like mm. wild snakes that would naturally eat lots of birds, frogs, and lizards in captivity are getting a bunch of rodents. You then have future deficiencies in subsequent generations as a result of this improper diet. Is there something that could be said for that in terms of behavioral experience being passed on? And so you know, that term that somebody asked me, like, was it rack raised? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> feels dirty. It's like, how dare you say that to me? No, snob. I have three. But now XO I'm like, paras. but now I'm like, well, that's not such an invalid question. If they're asking for like, is this an animal that's used to being in a display? Or is this an animal that's used to being in something tiny, small and sheltered? Like, if that's the question, then it's like, okay. That's interesting because as it pertains to these perches, these animals were born into a world where they were instantly given secure enclosures with hides on the ground, heat from the ground, water bowls that are elevated as so if they go up to find their water. It's not just in the ground somewhere you go down a mountain for water. So like if you were to put them in different environments after that's what they're used to, are they going to adjust? will they ever will that be a generational thing if you were to give them their parents like if you were to give their parents a vertical cage perches and the water bowl was sunk into the ground like it was ground level to go down you you're you're down down and then you take their babies and and do that for a couple generations and then all of a sudden flip the script put the adults in cage or put the babies in in tubs and see how they do like what what would that do so my initial thought is that innate instinct i don't think can be recalibrated in one generation fair i would agree okay. with that so nope. my question then is in the <clears throat> wild are our carpet python babies being born more often than not off the ground or are they being born on the ground because if they're being born off the ground then our boreality is the instant reality that's all you know right. the second you're alive if right. they're born on the ground maybe the pressure is you better get off the ground as quick as possible before your chow right um, yeah but and, something and we is don't driving have a lot them of, off the ground yeah we don't have a lot of <laughs> of documentation of of baby carpets in the field exactly do we? but if no. there was no pressure driving them off the ground they wouldn't have evolved to be arboreal <laughs> so according to and again this is just well, one off, but like Gavin Bedford's right. um, uh, thesis that he did was on the Darwin carpets. And when he was telling us about that, that, you know, sometimes the, the female would lay the eggs in the trees, like in the hollow of a tree, bird nest, whatever, you know, like a, that kind of thing. Or they would lay them on the ground. However, where the carpets would go would be along the bush. The babies would kind of go along the bush because this this was something that I was talking to Justin about when we were in Texas, mm -hmm. you know, about the, that there's really, well, he's really said it to me. He's like, well, how do we know? We really don't know what baby carpets do. And I was like, huh, fair play, you know? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I would think that they're going to that level probably more for prey, no? I mean, if they're feeding on skinks and, and, and such and, um, you know, frogs and, and stuff like that i would geckos um i would think that that's why they're in that range 
but they're really not on the ground per se where you would find a baby cart that doesn't mean that they're never on the ground but well yeah i mean a lot of the strophorus and the dura and stuff are in low ground bushes and things so yeah that like that would make sense that the small prey item either in little ground holes or like in the bushes right Right. off the ground would would coincide with the the younger animals that then predate upon them in that area and then the adults being up in trees going after the birds, the marsupials. Yeah. So that, that does make sense. But also there are predators, there are crocodiles, there are goannas, there are things that also encourage, you know, safety off the ground um, to some degree. So there's probably several variables at play. And then, you know, how, how, how many generations do you need to get away from the wild animals to, to change that, that drive to go up? Um, in in the captive populations that's another question right but then there's so much personality variation too like yeah i've got animals that never come off their little 3d printed perches and then some that they want nothing to do with it they love a paper towel roll tube and they're like cool yeah right so man that's that's the nature of it i mean they're not all going to be carbon copies and the ones who whose personality is conducive to survival mm-hmm. are we going to pass that all on? Right. So yeah, uh, it's nature's crazy because they're not all supposed to live. So you're going to have some in the clutch. That well, we yeah, have. that's another thing too. Like, right. Those yeah. ones that we, we assist feed into that survival push. that we limp along right. to, to do maybe well. In your clutch there, maybe the one or two that, inherently see a perch and think yeah that's a good idea maybe those are the ones that live and maybe your other ones were meant to be <laughs> monitor <Monitoring, food>. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah i mean that's the complexity well, of it is what is so incredible yeah interestingly enough right so um i've i've been the diamond pythons um so i had these branches and stuff that were in their cages and they freaking loved them Right. But there must have been some kind of like, I don't know, like a wood mite or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I had to rip everything out and start all over again and, you know, let the cages go and da 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 da. Right. Um, <clears throat> so I cleaned off all this, the, the wood and, and got some new branches and stuff. And I know this is, this is in my mind, but you know how, like, when you look at a snake and you, you just, you, just because you know what it looks like at normal, something seems off. Right. So like when the diamond pythons over here just had the bear cage, it seemed like something was off. Hmm. I, I don't know how to explain it. It just that they just they weren't sitting right. They looked they looked anxious or I don't know. So I just put in the perches uh, last Tuesday, uh, this Tuesday, this past Tuesday, and they have not been on the ground since, hmm. which is interesting I, I, I it's it's weird that i never would in the past right i've had adult carpets that have been in cages and the reason that i moved away from perches is because they never used it hmm. but now why all of a sudden is it just maybe it's my my idea of what they maybe it was the perches that i it had to I, I, this is my thought is that my idea of perching back in say 2010 is completely different than my idea of how a carpet python perches say now in 2021 you know if that makes sense it's not sure. really a yeah. chondro type of deal 
it's more of an Amazon Trebo type of deal where they're sort of doing that. You know, I've said it a lot of times where they're sort of doing multiple perch, you know, points of contact with the perch, you know? Right. And that's kind of what they do. But the interesting thing and, and why it leads me to believe that, you know, perching can make a difference in the strength of say the prehensile tail is that you can immediately see them using that to anchor themselves to those perches. And when, when I pull out the diamond pythons to say clean their cage or something like that, they immediately will wrap that tail as opposed to the carpets that I have in racks where they do not. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. I don't know. This snake has one of the, the ladder style. Oh, okay. Under the fucking paper. <laughs> huh. I don't know. I don't know, but it makes me feel good knowing to have the option. Yeah. Um, I guess at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to, right? They have the option. Providing right. the animal with multiple options yeah, that right. they can make the decision on where they want to go. You yeah. know, and I think that I think maybe the 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 mistake that I've made over the past, say, 10 years is that when as soon as I see them not using the option, I take it away. Yeah. And maybe they're not using that option at a particular time of year or, you know, and I'm just assuming, oh, you don't use it. You don't need it. And, yep. You know. Yeah, I mean, for all I know, every single one of those babies could use those perches at night. And as yeah. soon as, I, you know, as soon as I'm asleep, they're like, sweet, we're up. Yeah. You know, and, they get, and then as soon as the lights are on, they're like, fuck that guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah who knows, man? I, I think I think starting to give these animals more options and do things is it, it coincides with the drive to to want to have fewer animals and in, in more setups where you can see them and give them those options, you know? And sure. I think that that's the cool thing that see, this is kind of where I'm at in my snake reptile keeping time is like to observe those behaviors and sort of like becoming, have a better understanding of, of them. You know, um, if you provide those options, you're going to start to see certain behaviors over the course of say, you know, a long period of time as opposed to a shorter period of time where in the past it's like, Oh, it's, a, it's, you know, three weeks it's been in there. You haven't used it. Ah, throw it away. Don't need it. You know, whether it's that fencing that you would use, like I've used that for baby carpets, uh, you know, the 3d perches, what you got going on, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. But, yeah. 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 There's, there's something to be said for giving them the option, even if they don't use it, because you never know. As soon as you, take it away they might notice and something else could change yeah for yeah. the worse i, I don't know huh? yeah I, the next thing i need to figure out is what i can give my my apodora um dude they just a whole just tree <laughs> all over the damn place these things they're just like as soon as lights are on they're like whoop, just doing laps in the cage just like having a good old time yeah i have, I would like to find ways to give them something but they've man you put those suckers in in glass front cages with lights and you give them a territory to defend they've got that instinct <laughs> they have that no problem do, do, do yours do sort of that like they don't really bite but sort of like a punch type of oh thing? no mine bite oh <laughs> yeah mine right, like to just enough. go straight to the light 
they're like, screw you. This is our home. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yours. You're all yours. Is it mostly um, a cage defensive thing when you get yep. them out? They're all right. hundred percent. hundred percent. Actually, if they bite you in the cage and then you take your hand out, they're like, oh shit, I broke the rules. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there's something about those snakes that if, if I'm being honest, intimidate me um, more so than say something like a retic. Hmm. I, I would agree with that. Yeah. I, I think it's the intelligence factor. <laughs> they, they have something back there that you're like, yeah, there's a switch that's broken in you and I don't trust you hundred <laughs> yeah. percent. Like that one friend that you always keep around in case there's a bar fight. Cause you know, he's going <laughs> to fuck shit up the most and you'll just yeah. be fine. It's like yeah. that. Um, I will say I'm enjoying having them because they're much more active and give me a lot more feedback than a lot of the carpets. The carpets are in a routine. They're, that you yeah. know they're comfortable these things they're never comfortable per se like they never act like they're settled in they'll they'll right. they'll do like patrols and then nap and then patrols and then nap and then patrols and then nap it's like they're always assessing their environments they're never settled in but i i think i i like the cypress mulch for them more than the paper and the cocoa blocks the paper uh-huh. I, i'm i'm having to do full cage cleans a couple times a week Right. Um, and I like to spray them down and keep it humid. So I accelerate the deterioration of the paper liners by spraying the water in there. Sure. The, the cocoa blocks. I don't know if anybody listening has had this experience, but it almost seems to wick the moisture out of the environment and like evaporate it too much. Like huh. it like and I can see it in the female like her her spectacle scales. They don't look as crisp. It almost looks like they're dehydrated, not rippled and wrinkled. Right. And, and her skin looks fine. But if you look at the eyes of the male versus the eyes of the female, his are clear. Everything looks healthy and vibrant. And in his cage, like i'll spray it down and it'll like fluctuate it'll ebb and flow with its moisture based on the time of the day the females will do that immediately after a spray down and then that's it it's just like the cocoa block just sucks it all up and and i just feel like it's dehydrating the enclosure without me having to like hose the whole thing down Uh and then it just stays so fluffy that every time they go to the bathroom it just goes straight to the bottom so you can't see it so you have to pull it so i think Mm -hmm. i'm done with cocoa blocks for for Mm -hmm. at least the the apodora i don't I don't like it. I like the the cypress mulch. They flatten it down yeah. a bit. Their urates and things stay on top so I can see them. And then it's easy for me to just take a snake hook and just fluff it all up, spray it down, and it's fresh as fresh as I want. So I'm with you. I've never really loved the coconut. I, I know that it has its purpose sometimes, but I've always preferred the cypress to the cocoa blocks. If they made the coconut chips half the size they were, yeah totally different experience big chunks it's they and they like the big chunks and at first i was like that's you know it makes sense like if you're talking about a ball python which is what it was made for and you're using them in racks a big poop or a big urate in the corner of the tub it's going to sit right on the cocoa blocks and you can really get you know so like that i get but like unless you're seriously hosing them down with like a shop hose even those tubs get really really dehydrated um I don't know, just something I thought I'd throw out there, but huh? Yeah, you know, I I, I use coconut uh, the blocks, but I I kind of mix it with dirt and with mm-hmm. sand, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm not just using it straight, but I I could probably I better. Can see what you're saying, you know. Yeah, I find that the at least with the monitors, that sand sort of gives it some 
firm this so they can yes. burrow. And especially with the Kimberleys, that like, dude, they have tunnels going all through the bottom. Of the <laughs> oh yeah, you, sand, sand is like heaven for monitors. It just allows them to hold shape and dig and yeah. get all that energy out. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Adult Aki, I did a mixture of like an organic orchid mix and a bunch of sand. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, and that, yep. that holds it pretty well. He's got tunnels too, which you know he disappears like right before sundown. <laughs> that's pretty much what we gave all the monitors at the shop is like play sand, orchid mix, a little bit of peat moss or, or sphagnum moss, and that was it. For yeah, sure. Big yeah. old bags of it, hundreds of pounds of it. Just mix it all up. So I, I thought got... I was oh sorry, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Oh, I was I was just gonna say I thought I was gonna be bummed out having a lizard that gets to burrow, but not at all, because he's out all day. He only burrows to sleep, so right. it doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I find I find it interesting. Like my Aki's, for instance, like the, the they each have a one has one side of the cage, and the other has the other. And sort of the way I have it is there's there's sort of a cork bark stack mm. uh, on the one side, and that's right under the hot spot. That's your uh, your reed stack. Yeah, yeah nice. nice well done um, <laughs> so they kind of like get they, the one goes underneath there like deep down under the under the substrate and then the other one i sort of have like this log that goes across and it's where they would bask for uv interestingly enough i've said it for quite a bit that i haven't noticed them basking for the uv but as of recently i have which is mm. uh, it's interesting i don't know maybe that's a confidence thing in the cage like they feel more confident right. now you know and Maybe. they're able to come out but um is your is your heat and and uv unit separate enough to be able to distinguish what they're seeking out yeah okay yeah so the uv's on the one side and the and the heat's on the other yeah um we we've got those new uh uv led bulbs in and so we put them in with all of our monitors all the dragons all the tortoises everybody and it's amazing to see when you've got a ceramic heat bulb on one side and a uv bulb on the other side see them literally go back and forth to like okay i'm gonna wake up start my day under the ceramic yeah. and then after about an hour i'm gonna go over to the uv bulb yeah i have the perfect room set up for monitors because i have this huge window that's in front of me and the sun will come up and my system is set up so that it's like a wi-fi thing that the lights will come on based off of when sun nice. yeah yeah so they'll get that sort of like it's not like immediately lights are on they sort of get like this ambient, ramping ramping up you know um and i have it time to where i'll have the uv go on first and then the hotspot will go on after that. Um, nice. So pretty yeah, cool. That's cool. It's fun yeah. being able to see that. Yeah, man. My, I never thought I would say it, but monitors are pretty badass. You know? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, they're always badass, but like, you know, Having I can them. see why people, <laughs> you know, really like sort of get into them and then, you know, they they go crazy. You know? Yeah. Yeah, um, absolutely. Agreed. I did pick up uh so April Justine she uh she was getting rid of her pair of uh Australian barking geckos. Yeah, her her uh underwoodosaurus, her Yeah. those are yeah. cool. So uh it's a hypo and a normal and uh she sent them out this week and um it was cool because she had a baby too from the offspring and I gave my sister the baby and you know nice. she, she was uh over the moon with that, you know. But um 
I got to say, man, you know, you see them in pictures and stuff is one thing, but they're pretty freaking badass little geckos. Man. Yes, they are. You know? I'm like <laughs> all those, all the knobbies and the the barking geckos and the the broad tails out there, they have attitude, man. They act yeah. like they're freaking monitors. They don't take a shit from anybody. They'll stand up and just. i gotta admit it i didn't have love for geckos uh-huh. until we got to geckos in graduate herpetology and now i respect them and i think they're pretty freaking cool yeah i didn't under i didn't realize but they were like either man they're the most divergent like out there lizards that are not extinct like they are the most unrelated to everything else that we have left Really? And I didn't I didn't I didn't know. <laughs> but like, I don't yeah. know when when you like in, really digest that and and think about what that means. It's crazy. And like, I don't know, just the whole the way they stick their feet to things with electric charges, like it's not even real sticky. They're like literally electric. Yeah, that <laughs> Vander, the Vanderwall's force of the the set yeah. and all the hairs. Just the, I didn't even know that millions and millions <laughs> of contact points that create that energy, and it's they, smaller than what we can visibly they're, see. They're aliens. Yeah. They're like how yeah. octopus are aliens. Geckos are kind of yeah. aliens. So, <laughs> so Kathy, who's local to me, you know mm-hmm. Kathy Lucas. Yeah, Eric, Kathy. I'm sure Shout you've heard Kathy. the name. Yeah. What's up, <laughs> yeah, Kathy, Kathy? If you're listening to this, um, <laughs> she's been diving head over heels into a lot of this stuff, and she's already been a big into to lizards and things with legs. But she she just went big and got a killer killer pair uh or trio even i think of uh the stroferis ciliaris dude oh oh my gosh she (laughs) bought this hold back from the guy who was selling some stuff and i saw the price tag on them and i saw the difference between like the other ones and that and i understood why and the color and and i was just like holy crap and instantly i was like where can I put a small, tall exoterra in the snake room? Yeah. Where can I? Bad. Bad. <laughs> no. Yeah. Dude, they're so wicked. So, so freaking cool, man. It's so it's so funny, right? How, and again, uh, we were sort of talking about this last night, you know, and like uh, how you, how we, how we influence things and don't even realize when we're talking on these podcasts, how we can influence, uh, you know, certain things and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's weird. Like me and Nipper a year ago were strictly snake guys with no interest <laughs> in geckos at all. Like not yeah. at all, you know, sort of what, like what you're saying, Lucas, and not really appreciating. I mean, yeah. you saw them and you would be like, yeah, that's cool. You know, that's you know, cool. like, no, yeah, okay, cool. I gecko, go, gecko. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but like, dude, he, he, he is knee deep in geckos, man. He, he's like, yeah. uh, strophurus all the way, all these different species. He's like, mate, mate, Australian geckos <laughs> are the way to go. You know, I don't blame him. Strophurus would, would be the ones to do it to me too. Uh, if I open those floodgates, I am so fucked. But the thing of it is, is like the thing that we're like, saying, right? You can kind of keep, uh, you know, uh, and I think this is the thing that I'm really digging of like where my collection is going towards, like a lot of variability, a lot of different things to sort of keep my mind happy with my collection of what I have, but at the same time, not really taking up any more space than I'm already taking up because right. you can have a rack 
of, you know, like a baker's rack and keep like, you know, you could keep like eight different species of geckos on this rack without, without even doing anything, you know? Yeah, for sure. It's pretty freaking cool, man. You know, yeah, so. I have uh, an unquenchable collector's bug. Yeah, no, it's really bad. It's really bad. When I was a kid, Pokemon came out and that didn't help at all. I was, <laughs> dude, I would get mad. Like I had to get every single thing. Yes. And I was a big Pokemon kid. That's so. not any different than I am right now. I mean, like right now I'm sitting here going, okay, I need a house because I still have diamonds on the list. And by the time I get there, Imbricata should have figured themselves out and found their way here. So we need to make room for those. More inlands, three. Yeah, I need more inlands. <laughs> uh, and, and then I'm sitting here going, I don't need all of these brettles, do I? Do I need any brettles? Get rid of the brettles, right? There's enough brettles out there, right? It's like, Riley, stop it. That's yeah. not healthy for you. Your that's not good nice. for you. You should hang on to your brettles. You have yeah. nice brettles. Yeah, yeah dude. Have yeah. one brettles. You They're have. not all created equal. They don't do shit though. <laughs> I mean, so I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yes. you guys just sit here and cost me money. <laughs> as yeah. soon as but you then can... you're not gonna have the complete set. Like you have see, that's the thing. I know. Like, ah. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I know would happen. I'd get rid of them and be like, all right, I'm moving you here, moving you there. Cool, you're upgrading. Sweet. I got empty spaces. Shit, I'm out of brettles. Well, I've got open tubs. Time to go get some brettles. Wait, didn't I just get rid of my brettles? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and um, plus, you know, you're going to be able to do something with them as soon as you can get them cold enough. And that's just a matter of, of your, yeah. your circumstance, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Your, gonna, your snakes aren't the problem. <laughs> I'm going to push the, the, the low that I take this room to much lower this year. Um, I'm not going to. I'm not going to move them into the bathroom this year. Um, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna leave the window open and just let them do their thing. Like treat them like the rest of them. I don't know. I just, yeah. I don't have the ability to just unplug only that cage and that bin. Right. So like, what do yeah. I do? You know, right. unless, I, unless I just put them in bins and leave them ambient, just like sitting in the room which I could, but I don't have a lot of space. So yeah, um, I'm having to strategize myself over here on how to accommodate both winter and spring breeders for the first yeah. time, because it was really easy when it was just like, okay, Brettle's very cold <laughs> and put them in yeah. the living room, open window, make cold. But right. now I have to make other things also cold, but less yeah. cold. <laughs> well, and, and here's the other thing, Lucas, I went balls deep in the corn snakes. I'm like, shit. True. You How do I get do those cold? That. You did do that. <laughs> I went from zero to twelve. Holy um, shit! Yeah, yeah, wow. You got yeah. some nice ones though. Like, by the way, my cup um, of tea, but even I can admire the ones that you chose to get. Man. Yeah. They're yeah, they're like carpet pythons. I need all of them. God damn it. <laughs> um, it's a really good thing I couldn't find any Slowinski's corns or anything like that because then yeah. it'd be worse. But um. Now you want you want to talk about like overcomplicating shit and and I was thinking about for the holiday show one of my grievances yeah. uh, it, it relates to my recent corn snake obsession I, I I'm upset that I've gone so long without them yeah yeah you know that's an interesting so I won't open up those floodgates and I chose to move away from that because similar to you Riley I will want them all mm-hmm. 
you know, and you're the I, same. You are the exact same. I know. Yeah. I saw it from the moment you're like, I need every single Python. I was like, Hey, I know that feeling. <laughs> That's fucking crazy. Just like me. There's another one like me. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. Except I, I have a feeling your dad maybe didn't discourage it as much as no. others. No, I think no, your no, dad no. was probably the root of he your was problem. It. Yes. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. He's like, well, why do you have just that? Why don't you get this? Why don't you get this? You know? And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, and that I'm was my own like, worst enemy. Uh, you know, that's sort of the thing. It's like, uh, as of recent, well, you know, I've talked about it for the past year, but my dad, uh, with his reemergence back into yeah. reptiles and like his, I haven't heard about him for a while. Is he, what's the latest? Well, he's produced, I think he's produced now three clutches of those green. Wow. Emerald Swift or skinks. The Emerald tree skinks. Yeah. Those are bad ass. Yeah, man. Those are the yeah. coolest skinks. Dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And like he opens up the cage and it jumps on his arm and runs up his arm and shit. Yeah, they don't run to like escape. It's not like a fleeing thing. It's like I want to be involved. Right. That's cool. They're they're super Um, cool. We haven't had those in the shop for a while because, like your dad, I think a lot of people saw just the charisma and such a cool green little lizard. Yeah. And a couple people made some YouTube videos about him, and boom, they became hot again. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I can't lie, man. Yeah. I can't get them right now. They're awesome. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, a better green anole. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I think like a green anole is sort. Of, well, at least for me, when I was a kid, that was sort of like the go-to lizard. I guess that's sort of still the same. No, I don't. I don't know. I'm kind of. That was yeah. Uh, four they, years ago. They actually <laughs> still sell green anoles um, in the Petco yeah. over here. Really? Yeah. yeah. So that was sort of like the go-to lizard. You could keep it in a small terrarium and, you know, you know, it ate mealworms and shit and flies and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. But uh, we're talking about the this. tree skinks, right? Emerald tree skink. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Lampropeltis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. They're really, really cool. Lampropeltis smaragdarina. Okay. All right. I like Latin names. I don't know why my brain remembers <laughs> them very easily. Yeah. Yeah. Um. He got the uh, the dart frogs. Um, mm. I don't know what species, but they're the yellow and black ones. Um, Dendrobates leucomelis. Yes, killing yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> I, two for I, two. I like those a lot. I never got the opportunity to actually um, take the eggs from them to fruition at the zoo because our population was big enough and related. So mm. that was one species that I bred, but didn't actually get to take all the way. Right. Cool. So that was his. Uh, a recent addition he has uh he's not a fan of crested geckos okay. not a fan he's just I like, like lychees more than crusty for new they're both filthy stuff. they're he's, both filthy dude his his thing is they're kind of boring you know he's like yeah yeah it's kind of yeah. cool but you know it's they're nocturnal boring, they are you know? hard nocturnal you don't see right. them at all during the day they don't even like to be visible they like to hide behind stuff and you turn on the lights in the morning you wake up and they've pooped everywhere pissed all <laughs> over the glass or destroyed something you're like Oh yeah! <laughs> now I have to look I'm, at that. I, I'm thinking about uh, you know I, I keep trying to give him a carpet python, but you know he's kind of <laughs> not going with it. His snake is a he's a California king snake. God, this thing is there. Like we go. That's that's 30, cool. Thirty years old. That's maybe? badass. My native serpent. Yeah, yeah. This thing is is has been around for a long time, and he keeps the cool thing is is he keeps it outside during the summer. Hmm. And it'll bring it inside during the winter. Wow. But uh, okay. but the whole w- w- summer, it's outside. He needs Zonata. What? 
Zonata. Zonata. <laughs> I the am Mountain Kings. Oh, the Mountain okay, Kings. Yeah. Oh, dude, he could leave those out year round out there. Just put a tiny little something in there to make sure there's a den that stays in the 40s or something. He could keep them year round out there. Yeah. They they live in like so the ones that I, I would find in in Santa Barbara and San Inez Mountains, occasionally it would snow up there and hit below mm-hmm. freezing. And they're right. out there year round. I mean, they're not out, out, they brewmate and everything, but yeah, they're out in areas where it gets freezing. Yeah. I had some, um, I had uh, a pair of wild cots that, uh, I technically legally couldn't have. Um, but I did because you're only allowed to have one per permit holder. Um, but I didn't know at the time. Um, and telling they didn't eat for shit, man. They like, yeah, they're like frozen thawed rodent. What is that? Live rodents, never seen a white mouse before. Sorry, we're not doing that. So they didn't stay with me very long. But uh yeah, man, those those and like pyro, pyro millennias, like yes, your dad would I think that'd be right up his alley, kill it with those. Yeah, he he's you know, I think the thing that I'm really enjoying watching him is like it's kind of like it's kind of like how I feel with music, right? When I was doing music, if you wanted to, yeah, I always related to music. Let's do it, <laughs> right? But when when I was in my heyday of like really being a musician and playing out and doing it, quote unquote, pro, right? Mm-hmm. Is that you didn't have the technology to do what you can do today, so you figured out ways around things and ways to do things and sort of get the same result but really like having to think about how to get from a to b therefore really understanding the process of going from a to b if that makes sense right Mm -hmm. really that's the perfect comparison like before mm -hmm. you had overdrive pedals you had to understand how to blow out a tube correct right yeah so like it's 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 amazing to see how he still has that mindset of figuring things out from like in the eighties when there was no such things as, you know, all the technology that we have today, UV lights and, 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 you know, bulbs and wood box with a light bulb in the ceiling. Correct. You know, so (laughs) it's amazing to see what he can do with that understanding and like the cages that he's building without even, watch like knowing right. what's going on in herpticulture just because of going to the store and seeing the availability or going online and seeing the like oh you can do this with this and like totally being able to use that and it's not like he's using it as a crutch per se but right. more of a, of a of an accent which sort of like really makes what he's doing just freaking amazing like it just blows my mind i mean i'm like god damn i've been doing this for the past 10 years and my setup suck and you <laughs> just get back into it and you're like I-, I don't know man he's got like these like uh, you know and, and he is a plant guy too so like he has a real solid understanding of keeping plants alive and right stuff. but um but yeah that's what i equate no, that whole the whole like how do I make this sound like this without having that? And exactly. No, I'm with you. It. It, 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 when you, when you're not spoon fed or when it's not easy, you you're forced to get creative, think critically and like, yeah, be out of the box a little bit, or at least understand the box better. <laughs> yeah. 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 100%. Um, yeah. Pun intended. Until, you know, <laughs> yeah. Our, it's, our boxes with snakes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, 
I'm kind of glad that, like, I don't know about you or what your first guitar was or whatever, but like, piece my, of shit. Right. <laughs> my first guitar was a piece of shit, too. And yes. sort of my dad's idea was, is like, cause he played guitar before me and his guitar was the action was all shitty and like, oh, you yeah. know. But if you can make that sound good, your technique, like your hands are, are 100%. developing techniques that you don't even know that they're, you know, to mute exactly. And then it just gets easier. Yeah, I, I think we might have talked about this before. I don't remember where, but my first guitar, I raised $120 cash right? as a fourth or fifth grader, you know, doing chores, mowing lawns, yada, yada. Right. Went to the local shop and I got a Yamaha. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. Yes. Like, you know, lawn mowers, outboard motors, Yamaha. I got yeah. a Yamaha. Keyboards and guitars. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it was just a black and white rip off strat and it kind of was a piece of trash, but right. that like exactly what you're saying, that is a beautiful thing because it forced me to have yes. to learn how to make a piece of trash sound like not a piece of trash. Right. <laughs> so yeah. that when you have something yeah. good, yeah. you, you, yeah, you've built up those, those. It's like magic. Man. It's the, it's the ear training kind of thing. Like, I feel like ear training for a musician and knowing that even if you're doing everything technically right, but it still sounds like crap. So you have to adjust somehow right. is the equivalent of like somebody that keeps animals knowing that maybe they're doing everything according to the care sheet, but it still isn't optimal and right. still tweaking until it quote sounds or feels right. Right. And that's what you, yeah. it's so hard to teach. Yeah. Because it's trial and error. Yeah, it's like uh, just I'm getting guitar geek out for a minute. Please do. A guitar for, <laughs> I see for, the Telecaster the behind yeah, you. Right behind I've been me, looking right? at it all day. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, a lot of people will talk about tone, mm -hmm. and I think the tone comes from an amp or a certain guitar or a, or strings or you know, and and granted they sort of factor into a certain sound. Right. You know, like a, a strat is going to sound different than a Les Paul and et cetera, et cetera. Sure. But like really your tone comes from your fingers. Yes. And exactly what you sort of just said, right. The feel, the pressure, the, 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 your brain sort of, you know, connecting between how much pressure you're putting on your yeah. finger to make Are a you doing sound. vibrato. How hard right. are you hitting with the pick? Did you yeah. use the flesh of your finger instead of a pick? You know, right. like, yeah. There, just we talk about variables. There's an immense amount of variables for how yeah. one singular note can sound. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy, yeah. you know, but yeah. uh, that's yeah, why I, I commented mean, on your video the other day. There was Tone City, man, because you were <laughs> fucking singing, brother. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, I mean, I think that I've told this story, too, before. But my guitar teacher, when I was a kid, used to do wedding gigs as, uh -huh. you know, as a side thing. And he was playing just real book jazz charts at a, at a wedding and he was playing a Joe pass tune. And he had this dude that was just sitting in the front row. Everybody else is doing wedding things. And this guy was just sitting, staring at him. Right. And it turned out to be Joe pass oh, who shit. was <laughs> just at the wedding. And at the time, you know, my guitar teacher told me he was a struggling, you know, musician. He, his right. gear was not nice. Um, Joe, Joe pass picked up his stuff you know, grabbed the guitar and 
played and it sounded exactly like Joe Pass because yeah. Joe Pass sounds like Joe Pass. The gear doesn't sound like Joe Pass. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, so. it, it took me a long time to sort of to learn that. And like I see a lot of par- at least for me, right? In my brain, I see a lot of parallels with uh Riley Turton. Yeah, cat. I, I did see that cat. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> voodoo we're not voodoo. booting people out of the the chat anymore we're just turning him into various animals um Aww. but yeah i i can equate uh you know music and uh keeping animals a lot like i see a lot of parallels there he is riley what do you have to say <laughs> stay away from that it's Pop it's really Python. funny because yeah he like rage texts our group chat sometimes like the freaking cat jumped on my cage and i think we're about to see it happen in real yeah. time <laughs> right oh that's yeah. funny but no um, i'm with you i think there, there's a lot of parallels i mean like the collector aspect of it all i know you and i both probably have drawers full of effects pedals you can't just oh, have yeah. you can't just have a few no um and and yeah it's it becomes um a little bit more of an art form and like student of the serpent student of the tone sure yeah yeah man so <laughs> i gotta ask this question all right and then we'll 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 share a wild carbon python and i guess we'll all right wrap it up, but all right favorite guitar effects pedal Ooh, that's actually easy for me but you go first okay so i'm probably gonna say which is weird i love the roto vibe okay i, I just love that swirly hendrixy no, I dig that. I don't think that's weird yeah. at all because it's not something that can be easily replicated with like just in-amp settings yeah. or I don't know, like a plug-in trying to do that sounds like crap. So yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah. So so what's yours? Okay, what for is- me, um, I would have to go with, very specific, my Strymon uh, timeline delay pedal. Okay. And the okay. reason for that is that thing is a freaking supercomputer like i can do <laughs> so much with that pedal it's not just delay i can get tremolo i can get reverb i can dial every parameter save like 200 presets like i literally don't need a lot of other pedals when that thing's on the board um and you know overdrive and stuff you can just push your amp you don't sure. need an overdrive pedal it right. just is a convenience factor right but the timeline was a the the most game changing piece of equipment I've ever owned. And like when I was touring and hopefully when I'm touring again next year, uh-huh. right. Um, I have the entire set saved in order so that all of my stuff is to the correct BPM all dialed in nice. in the order of that night. I plug it into my computer. I can change the order. I can dot it. It's an incredible piece of machinery. <laughs> wow. That's pretty awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I uh <laughs> I'm kind of boring and old school with the roto vibe, but yeah, man, I I, I mean I, not at all. I I think that that just goes to show like something like music you you can and keeping animals there's many ways to skin the cat. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Many approaches. I, yeah, I I I I do I yeah, I do always play with a delay pedal. I do always play with reverb. Um, but I find that like, uh, I I will use an overdrive from time to time, but I think like that one thing that's usually is on is that, is that, is that Roto vibe. I just dig that. That's awesome. Hendrixy, swishly, I I don't know. Yeah, no, that's a cool tone. 
it totally makes sense to me. And sometimes I have to just turn everything off except for like one or two pedals. Like it can become too complicated sometimes, you know, and it's like, you yeah. got to get back to the bones and sure. Yeah. 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 Just rely like on I the said, It comes from these, right? Yeah. Yeah. Riley, your cat sat on your chair while you were gone. It was yeah, quite, it was, it was quite, quite the funny. Event. You were there <laughs> and then you were gone. And then there was a cat there. So we thought you turned into a cat. Yes, <laughs> I, I did. Oh, okay. um, ah, very good. Some, some Hollywood movie magic for y'all. There you I'm go. Practicing. I think yeah. we very should, good. We should start another podcast called Guitars and Guanas. <laughs> <laughs> Guitars and what? And guanas. 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 Okay. Yeah. Not was... guano. <laughs> no, 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 not that shit. Yeah, no, no I, no. I, I've said it before. I can't wait for the day that you and I finally get to jam in person. Oh, dude, it's gonna be yeah. glorious. No, <laughs> tell me about it. Go play some Cannibal Corpse. <laughs> sure, I don't yeah. know any, but I'll figure it out. <laughs> They're going on tour right now. You can always go refresh yourself. Yeah, yeah. excellent. I, yeah, I will be seeing them in March. There you go. Nice. Yeah. My first concert back since pre-COVID is going to be Manchester Orchestra in February. Can't wait. So I, I had tickets to go see Dream Theater um, oh, oh, sweet. Nice. in November, and they canceled because of COVID, yeah. and they're coming in spring of 2022. So Nice. nice. That'll, be, That'll nice. be a cool yeah. one. Yeah. I went yeah, to a, a local show like a month ago, and that was my first show back since COVID. And now this one is going to be like my first like big name, you know, big show. But it's it's at a local spot. It's at Ace of Spades. So it's only going to be like a couple hundred people. Um, right. So that'll be sick. And Cannibal Corpse is hell good live. So that'll yeah. be solid. Whitechapel's um, going to be playing. And I like some of their their previous albums. They just dropped an album today that sucks. <laughs> oh, really? It's awful. <laughs> oh so bad i wish i didn't I, pre-order it i find that um as of as of late um so me and my, i know we're kind of going off on a tangent right but <laughs> as of late um a friend of mine we were talking about music today as opposed to music say from the 70s or like you know say like zeppelin or things like that or mm -hmm. um earlier type of of rock music and um you know, he was, he played some song for me and I, I can't remember who it was, but I was kind of like, I, I just was like, yeah, okay. It sounds cool. You Something know, contemporary. It's, it, yeah. It's, 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 it's cool. It's kind of, kind of, kind of had like a Lincoln park type of vibe. Again, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know who it is or whatever, but um, for sure. I was trying to explain to him, like, I feel that music, not all, but like modern music to me today sort of lacks soul. Yeah. You know, and I think a lot of the modern people that I are, are have gravitated towards uh, sort of still have that sort of soul where they're I don't care what the instrument is, but like actually playing it, playing it from from, say, like as a song or as a band or, you know, uh, I, I don't know. There's just there's a I agree with you as a it certain magic to what is popular and what's mainstream. I think you can still find it and it's still out there. Oh, it's, but it's out there. Not what is at the forefront. And that's a shame. Correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then you listen to like, you know, I mean, you listen to. So I know this is I'm probably going to get a lot of hate for this, but. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes. I listened to this song. So there's a song. So so my wife is uh, was listening to this song by Adele. I guess it's her new song. Okay. Right? Yeah, she's back and she's holy fuck, man. Fierce. <laughs> like if you if you if you kind of get out of the mindset, like it's hard for me being like coming from like a like in my early days being a metal guy and like then like listening. But I love all types of music. I like everything, all styles, whatever. But god damn, it's her. And a piano yeah. and a kick drum, and dude, it's like it—it's—it's it's so freaking intense the way she yeah. sings, and like it's very rare to see that. And I think um, Gary Clark Jr. was one of those that I yep. saw, and I was like, "He's got it. That is what is missing." That you know, like yeah, that guy, you know, a hundred percent. I mean, Adele's a crazy talent, and she she really pushes what a vocal cord can do, which is why she's always having vocal vocal surgery and canceling tours because she <laughs> blows her shit out. But yeah. Um, yeah, I feel you. Yeah. Eric, anyway. you'd, you'd like uh you'd like a band that that's a newer band that's come out recently. That's been getting a lot of radio play uh, dirty honey. I'm sure you've heard of them. I have not. No. Oh man. They have an old, uh, an old school, uh, like high energy, like American rock, like sound to them. It's really okay. good. Like it What's sounds it like there's old down. souls coming through them. Dirty honey. Dirty honey. Yeah, I like the name. <laughs> I'll check that out too. Yeah, I'm yeah. Intrigued. It it's got um. Love honey. <laughs> if I could yeah. combine Especially a few dirty. sounds, they they <laughs> they have like um. They almost have like a Rolling Stones kind of credence, almost kind of Halen esque sort of blend of a lot of these features. Like you almost feel like there's some Southern roots to it, but nice. then then there's some good guitar wailing on there and some good energy, like just good strong fast rock that just feels right, like it. Right. And it, it it sounds like something that you'd expect to have come out of like the eighties. Okay. okay. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, black crowish. Yeah, Robert. Yeah, Robert. I agree. Very black crowish. Right. They're good. They're Morelia good. Yeah. and music. That's the. Part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I don't know, man. I'm I'm I've I. I, I've always my favorite genre of music, hands down, is blues. I just love the blues. Yeah. There's something about blues that I love. And one of the things that I've never really gravitated to do and learn is like slide delta style, like mm. that deep southern south open G tuning, like that, you know, mm. yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. Untempered. So, yeah. yeah so i I've that's been... a sound that has soul behind it if you Dude. play that shit right that that's like that's how you spell the word soul yes 100 <laughs> percent. so that's like when i hear okay so i listen to that and then i go and listen to modern music and it's like i don't know man i'm just not there you know yeah but anyway i've been practicing that a lot and like you've it's been, fun you've to got pick a slide up. out Oh yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been messing with it. I, uh, I there's some guy online is an active melody or whatever, but he does like a lot of blues and stuff. So I signed up. It's like nine bucks a month, and you get access to all his, you know, his his classes online and stuff That's like that. That's awesome, man. You know, so I've been doing that, and it's just like it's just reignited that love of of playing music again. And yeah. there's nothing like learning a new technique when when it, everything else is kind of feeling stale. It's like yeah. you're starting over. 
Yeah, um, yeah. Because you you got that thing like it. It's like you're struggling to play it, and yeah. it's like you know, like, it's shit. like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I haven't struggled to play things in a while. That's exactly. because I haven't pushed myself. And I cherish those moments. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, it's like, it's like lifting weights when you go to the gym and like you break that. You know, I broke right. 190 pounds to lift it. You know, and it's it's like yes, I I got it. You know, that's awesome. You got that metronome going, and you're like, Send me some I can only do videos, it at 60, man. 60. Yeah. I have to. I have I to. I gotta hear that. Yeah. All right. It's hit us the, with the wild carpet. Yeah. Let's do that so we can. Uh, um, my dog's gonna start barking at me soon. <laughs> yeah. My wife is in Florida, probably wondering why I haven't called her yet. So. Oh, nice. This carpet here is uh, from Mount Malloy, which. Um, ah. Yeah, which are was, they uh, doing the dirty? Uh -huh. I don't think so. No. But Mount Malloy <laughs> is. Uh, somewhere around gelatin so okay. i guess you can see why they sort of have that sort of look um but those man, are beautiful they're, they're cool looking carpets man so shane black I, he had this picture up actually this was the last time the last show we were supposed to do um was supposed to show this so this i've had this for yeah. a while but uh that's so, awesome and, for uh, yeah for the folks yeah. listening i mean super dark um not they're not black and white yeah exactly kind of xanthic-y silvery raiders colors yeah yeah i love those the the saddles where it's like right at the bottom there and it sort of had that has a classic of, jungle like, pattern look to me yeah yeah just yeah, different that's... colors and like you mm -hmm. see there how it's sort of like in those saddles that what would you say that's chestnutty brown or like mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't know it's um, almost kind of on par with the dry grass around a little bit, maybe a little more s silvery and sleek, but right. Yeah. So I looked up uh, just an environmental pick because, like, when I do that, I like to share that with uh, with the the listeners or the watchers or whatever, and that's sort of like the area around cool. Mount Malloy. So, classic that's carpet awesome. python territory, trees and whatnot. So, yeah, there we go. Cool. Venture nice. to guess there's water somewhere around there. I would almost bet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Um, nice. Cool. They remind me of uh, what a uh, uh, the the Cape York um, carpets a little bit in color. Yeah. yeah. I got to see uh, uh, Brandon's adult male um, Cape York. Yeah, it's different. Yeah, very I got different. a pair. Yeah, they're yeah, cool. you're one of like three people with a pair in the states. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're sick. they're wicked looking. They're crazy. Archer River carpets. Yes. Yeah. Eric, cool. what do we got coming up on the network on uh, 9 NPR? Uh, so um, we did the 10 year anniversary yesterday. That'll come out in podcast form on um, Tuesday. Um, we have, uh, I guess we're back into the swing of things. Uh, next week on uh, NPR, we're going to be recording the breeding season episode. Uh, Sweet. We do that every year, you know. Uh, I don't know. I get. I, I think every year it's kind of like, I feel like we repeat the same thing a lot, but people seem to Always used to. So, yeah. You know? I can't wait, personally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we always learn something from the previous year and stuff like that. So, uh, so that's yeah. cool. But, uh, yeah, that's, uh, awesome. Podcasts are sort of back in swing. Sorry. They've been sort of hit or miss just because of, uh, me being sick and family issues and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, should be back 
back in the swing of things. So awesome. Super excited to hear that. Um, there's some new fight club episodes, uh, shout out yeah. to Colubrid and Colubrid radio for breaking the top 50 in U S pet and animal podcasts. I sent yep. Zach a screenshot of that earlier and he said, what really? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, they're always, killing it, man. Yeah. Go support that pod too. Currently leading the network on that chart. So pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we were saying it last night, um, NPR, um, the OG, uh, we we and I I haven't been watching this or paying attention to it. But um, usually when we do the anniversary show, I usually put the stats out. But we surpassed one million downloads uh, of the show. Awesome. That's a lot. Yeah, man. (laughs) I was like, wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Congratulations. I mean you know pretty well cool. earned pretty cool. yeah yeah it was Dude, like a, uh, a million is a huge number it's a lot yeah. of downloads yeah <laughs> i'm like wait a minute why isn't this monetized <laughs> what are we doing here <laughs> you know? that's serious come on let us be our own bosses somebody needs to somebody somebody needs to hear this and go hey guys just do this and then we'll like <laughs> employed yes exactly and with that in mind if you want to support uh please see the mpr network patreon uh we've yep. got a few tiers there mm-hmm. um teespring store some additional goodies for purchase available there yep we should have the uh calendar together I'm waiting for uh, people to send me the high res picks, start putting it together, get that ASAP. Um, I'm pretty sure, 99% sure, we're going to just sell it right off of the website, MarillionPythonRadio.com. Uh, just make it super easy and all just right from there. So, uh, perfect. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I think uh, I always say big thank you to everybody for hanging with us. Um, you know, Easiest way you can help us uh, grow is uh, just uh, show some love, just subscribing or sharing uh, shows that you like or shows in the network or whatever. Get it out there. Um, You know, I think the most important thing in the hobby is sharing knowledge and sharing, uh, you know, uh, good knowledge. Yeah, Uh, I think that defeats bad knowledge. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And for for everyone's homework this week, I want you to. I want you to recruit three more YouTube subscribers per <laughs> listener. Yes. Everyone listening must go get three people on board by next week or the squid games is going to eliminate you. <laughs> Very good. That was a relevant yeah. reference. I don't know what the squid games is. Oh, uh, you haven't it, watched it. Great I have show. no idea what it is. I see people making fun of it and I'm like, I don't have time to keep up with this shit. I can't even keep up with ball pythons. You asked me to keep up with this. I haven't had cable TV in seven years. All right. Sorry. Fair point. Fair point. Uh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, You're not, not missing happening. anything, Riley. Good, good, good way to go. <laughs> I got enough snakes to take care of. There's 105 butts to clean up after right here. So right. <laughs> we're good. I don't have time for that. Y'all enjoy good. Squid Games. I'm sure it's wonderful. I have subscribed not watched to it. the YouTube channel. It was devastating, <laughs> but I loved it. Yes, please subscribe. Please subscribe. Yeah, Dragon yes. Lair is right. I can't believe NPR YouTube only has 500 ad subscribers. Yeah, yeah. it's because yeah. Uh, y'all have been slacking. That's not our fault. Yeah, come on, come on. Yeah. I mean, you want all the podcasts are there. Cry? You know, yeah, don't I make think, Lucas uh, cry. He's an ugly crier. According to Owen, you guys are working. He said you've been very busy. And uh, <laughs> according to him, you guys are working on some content for the 
from the Arizona trip. Uh, Me and Owen? Yeah. Yeah, I need to do that. I've been trying to get ahead in school so that I can put some hours towards that. But I'm I'm going to ASAP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No worries. Yep. No worries. He said, yeah, you were doing things like school, which is very important. So I'll get back at him <laughs> as soon as I can. I've got the files. I just need to hit my put my editing socks on and go to town. All right, right. <laughs> there you go. That's all I got. <laughs> right. <laughs> just socks. socks. That's always where's the socks. So that's all he edits in. I don't need that know. visual. <laughs> yeah. Luke is just sitting there naked in his socks. Come on, socks. Don't fail me now. <laughs> this <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, I'm going to get a burrito, gentlemen. But it's this has been a pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. As always. Thank you, everybody. Absolutely. Yep. All right. Love, peace, and chicken grease. Bye. Bye.